Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan here to talk about Easter Sunday, uh, April 9th. Garen, talk to us about the name above all names, Hashem, Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and why his name is above all names. Um, it was a really great Easter Sunday. Yeah, I loved it. I love Easter. I love being Well, that, well that's to... good. If you didn't. Yeah, if be, I didn't, there'd be a problem, there'd right? There'd be a real problem <laughs> if you drug your feet on Easter. Um, did you guys have a good time Easter? Do you, so you're a pastor. Do you do the, the egg hunt and the, all the Easter stuff or is, are you two? Candy, eggs, bunnies. I mean, all of it's pagan. There's no way that I'm even, that stuff's coming close to me. So I hope nobody at church ever does that. (laughs) (laughs) No, we did the, we did the Easter egg and the candy and all that. We never had like the stuff, giant stuff, bunny guy show up. Never did that. Never we went did that one far. time. My aunt showed up in the in the whole costume, and it freaked. It freaked out. Oh, we were yeah. tra- my younger sister's pussy was traumatized. Yeah. So I saw one on the street the other day. It was traumatic just to me to see yeah. that. So seeing a huge bunny is never as fun as people think it's going to be. It's terrifying. Yeah. So we didn't really talk about this, Garen. But what would you say? Like, where's the line there? of like celebrating Jesus. And then it's just the same thing with any holiday, Christmas or whatever. Like, are we still allowed to do the eggs and the bunnies yeah, and mean, stuff? Or is have, it? Have the fun, have the fun, do that stuff. But to me, the center has to be the resurrection. So that's why, like, this is what we used to do. Ariel and Josue did it with the kids Sunday. You know, you do the Easter egg hunt, you have some candy, but then they, end some of the eggs, like what we used to do, some of our eggs were, had candy. Some of them were the resurrection eggs. And you come in, they open the ones with candy, and then you go through this resurrection eggs last, and what you're reinforcing is the story. And so, yeah, you're having fun, and you're you're letting kids enjoy some cool stuff. And but you're the key thing. Hopefully, the bookends like the morning, the sunrise service, the, the church, bookends, yeah. And then you're finishing that with the, like the resurrection eggs and the bookending of it all. It's like this is about Jesus rising from the dead. Yeah. I sat with Nellie and read with her in her Bible book, and we went to the resurrection crucifixion, resurrection story. So yeah, you're just doing those things to keep what matters in the forefront. So, okay. so we don't have to be crazy and like totally cut ourselves off from it. <laughs> we can still be a part of it. Okay. Yeah. That's good to hear. So you talked about name above all names. We kind of opened with what is the significance of that? What does it mean? Because we hear that about Jesus. He has yeah, you a hear name it. above all names. What does that really mean? Can you put some meat on that for us? Well, that's kind of what the whole thing was is I was like, you know, you hear that and we kind of know what it means, but names don't mean the same, right? We've talked multiple times about that to us as them. So it was more meaningful. That's why I was trying to set up, you know, he had a name. It's I am who I am. It's Yahweh. And then when they read it, one of the two things they said, they would never say his name, the Jewish people, they would say Adonai, Lord, or they would say Hashem, the name. And so that idea for them of the name, and they called him the name because he was the name above all names was me setting the table that 
that's why Jesus is called the name of all names because Jesus is the Hashem. And that's why the early church called him that. After he had ascended to heaven, they, they called him the name, which would have been radical in that Jewish culture. For Jewish mm-hmm. people in Jerusalem to hear that, they knew exactly what they were claiming. So my question was, is why would they say that? And then that's when I said, well, it's because Jesus said that. And then we went through that. Through the all stuff. the ways in the time. Yeah, through all the ways that he said that. Yep. Exodus 3, we see, we see God name himself Yahweh, right? I am. And so from that, we see all these things pour out of him, that he is personal, he is a creator, he's self-existent, he's timeless, he's eternal, he's unchanging, he's faithful. And so that's kind of what the whole theme of this name series has been about, right. is that I am blank. And just to see God name himself yes. and others name him according yeah. to his different characteristics. Yeah. as they encounter him in their life circumstances. So that I am and then dot, 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 the compound name, which Jesus takes up. And he's like, yep, that's true of Yahweh, and I'm going to do that for myself, which nobody would do. Right. But he did. So Hashem, you, you talked about it being used by Jesus. Is it, um, or not by Jesus, by the apostles. Uh-huh. They called him the After Hashem, Jesus ascends, the name. He, they say, we're not going to stop doing this because we follow Hashem. We follow the name. We, and we are, it's an honor to suffer for the name of yeah. Hashem. Just for the name. Uh-huh. For the name. Uh, do we see it other places in the Bible too? Or is Hashem just used right there? Yeah, it's also in, I left this one out, in John, 3 John 7. I can go there really quick. Um, quick on my phone Bible, if you had a real Bible. But in 3 John 7, um, it says it again. And here's what it says about... Um, the people who are going out preaching, it says it was for the sake of the name mm. that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. So again, that's another instance of they called him, they referred to Jesus as the name. In, in Acts 5, when the apostles say it is an honor to suffer for the name, is John among them? Uh-huh. So, and John wrote 3rd yeah, John, right? John wrote 3rd John. So both times, wrote the gospel of John. he's the one who probably wrote well, he didn't write Acts, but he was there present. He was there those, with all of them, right? and they were all saying that. So, but he particularly took that to heart. Yeah, yeah, he in particular took that to heart. The name, man, I didn't know about Hashem. How cool! Um, we went on and talked more about Jesus claims to be the I Am, and we saw that seven times in John. Jesus claims. Well, there's a few things happening. There's seven claims of Jesus to just be I Am. Yes. There's seven claims to be, I am something. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. Yep. Yep. And then John names Jesus seven times at the beginning of John. Even the beginning of John, he gives seven titles to Jesus. So to John, this, this is really significant. Seven titles, seven times he reports Jesus saying, I am dot, dot, dot. Seven times he just simply says, I am. And again, so for Jewish people, the number seven is a number of completeness. The number of three is significant. So three times he's doing the seven. John mm-hmm. is really clearly making a claim. I mean, trying to show Jesus pretty clearly claimed to be the creator. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really cool what John's doing. Those are those little things that as Americans, we're just like, oh, he just happened to say it seven times. That's really cool. Yeah. And if you're reading it through those eyes, through through the Jewish people's eyes, I mean, they're exactly literally, literarily what is happening. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm glad we have you to show us those things because I would read right over top of that. I do have one question though. Yes. 
on the on one of the slides, you said that seven times Jesus claims to just be I am. Right. And that's it. Those two words. And you list some references. And I've I've seen that if we go to those verses and check those out, some of them he will say I am, but others it will be something other than that. Yeah. I am he or Yeah. Yep. And so what like how was it, how do we know I just wasn't what, making did that you up? Just, did I you just dug just, in there and, and made up. Did seven. you just not have enough content, so you just <laughs> yeah, made so that I up? Made up or, a few. Like what's going on there with that? Yeah, it depends on what English you're looking at. Some English are very clear in all of them. Today's English version, the NLT, um, have notes that make it really clear that that's what the claim is. Some of them are a mixed bag. The NIV, half of them, it's I am. Half of them, it's like I am he. Um, and I'm not going to go in. I've talked to Scott Youngman as the reason they chose to do that. Um, but it's in the Greek, it's pretty clear that that's what it is. And a lot of scholars talk a lot about um, just how that is a claim to divinity, those seven times. I don't have time to go into all the detail. But one thing that's really cool is a lot of them are actually tied. I said this first service, but I didn't say second. And I just went over it. I just breezed over it. But a lot of those I am statements are actually, are actually quotations. And they're in a context where he's actually... Jesus is referencing the book of Isaiah of a clear statement, a Yahweh statement in Isaiah, and Jesus is actually tying an event to what's happening with him. So like when he's walking on the water, he says, I am. The NIV translates it, I am he, but he's, it's in Greek, it's I am. And that is actually a quotation, I think, of Isaiah 43, where it talks about God says, I tread upon, I am Yahweh, I and I alone, oh. I tread upon the water. So the context, Jesus is clearly claiming, he's not right. just saying I am, but it's tied, it's tied to something in Isaiah. I'm getting too excited, to Isaiah. So all that's to say, it kind of depends on your English translation, but most scholars pretty much agree that these are the seven I am statements of Jesus where he's literally claiming that. Which is another example of the Old Testament making the New Testament that much richer because if you just read that, and even if you are lucky enough to be reading a translation that says, you know, hey, who's out on the water? I am. Yeah. You, it's totally over your head if you're missing out on these callbacks to Isaiah that Jesus is not only saying, I am the guy walking on the water, but I am the guy that Isaiah 43 yes. talks about who not only was prophesied to walk on the water, but it was the beginning and the I end am, and the I am. Yeah, yeah, I am Yahweh himself. Yeah. So just another reason that we can't throw out the Old Testament because it just Yeah, enriches. the Old Testament is so important. Those Somebody calls them hyperlinks. There's a lot of those hyperlinks. And that's what I'm trying in my teaching over time to bring out is to help people. That's why we emphasize, Jordan, the whole story. There's a, Great stories have threads that run all through them. And there's a lot of these hyperlinks. And that's what I'm trying to do is point out more of that stuff so we can... So that's why reading the whole Bible is important because the more you know the whole Bible, sometimes the, oh yeah, right. I've seen this somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Very interesting. You, uh, something that didn't really occur to me, I don't know. I just never really thought about it, but you said that many people before Jesus in Jewish culture had claimed to be the Messiah before. None had claimed to be God. Right. right? Not God, just the Messiah. Um, and when they would claim to be Messiah, I mean, they were kind of, obviously didn't live up to it and people saw through it and they said, okay, yeah. so they just kind of brushed them off or whatever. But for some reason, when Jesus did it, not for some reason, we know why, when Jesus did it, he claimed to be God and he came with such authority and he turned the system on its head so much that it, it upset the wrong people. And yeah. so that's why he yeah. was brought to death. But I just never thought about that. Other people coming forward and saying, you know, I am Messiah. I am, uh, I'm the one that's been written about, right? Yeah. And, and the Jewish, the religious people never killed them. And never killed the Romans him. did. And when Jesus, so my thought is just when Jesus starts his ministry, 
And he was, he was kind of the opposite. He was like, hey, let's keep this under wraps. Uh-huh. Let's not let the cat out of the bag too soon. But even as he does start to make those claims about himself, how many people are like, oh, it's just the next one. Remember last week, that guy said this. Uh-huh. And, and so just that that is also going in the, on in the hearts and minds of people as they're hearing Jesus and hearing of his fame and seeing his miracles and hearing what he says about himself. Yeah, hearing claims that it became pretty clear that he was claiming more. I mean, even Mark 2, very early on, when he heals the paralytic, he says, I tell you, my son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leader says, only God can forgive sins. You cannot say that. So he was dropping all these yeah. clues all the time that I'm not just claiming to be a Messiah. I'm claiming... And with him, it was probably apparent much quicker than with these other yes, guys. Yes, yes. Because yep. right. the things that he's doing are really proving yeah. quickly that yeah. I'm, and the, I'm the guy. The religious leaders knew. You, you leave those other Messiahs alone and Rome will kill them after about five years and they would. And that's why the dude in Acts says, hey, if this, if Jesus isn't from God, it's going to die out on its own. That's how sure. these other messiahs have been. But if he's from God, man, yeah. watch out. Because that's what they'd done. They had ignored so many of those messianic guys and Rome just took care of them for him. Why would Rome kill these other fake messiahs? Is it because they would come as political or yes. revolutionaries? Political revolutionaries. And so they would try and gain these cult-like followings and rebel against the yep, government. To and, overthrow Rome. And then Rome would take them out. Because that's what they thought Messiah was going to do. It was going to be a military ah, victory over Rome. Okay. So Makes the sense. religious leaders are like, ah, oh, let those guys, whatever. Sure. But the Romans would take notice. Yeah. And then the Romans didn't care about Jesus because he wasn't. he was the opposite. He was the opposite, <laughs> right? And only when their hand got forced with yeah. Pilate did they do it. Because there was no threat to their yeah. power. He didn't come for that. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. Just another piece of the puzzle. You talked about the resurrection and how it has uh, left fingerprints all over history. What did you mean by that? Yeah, that God did not leave. Um, he left evidence because he wants to be known. And he's a God who is willing to give proof for claims he makes. It is not just, I think I said he puts his money where his mouth is. He doesn't just say stuff and then like, yeah, just believe me and that's it. You know, uh, I just heard somebody recently talk about when Reagan made his nuclear agreement with Russia, it was... Uh, trust, but verify. And I thought, that's so cool. Right. Jesus wanted my trust, but he also said, but I'm also leaving evidence to verify. And you and I did a thing a few years ago, I think over COVID, we made a video. There's probably still up on the church website of what some of that evidence is. Um, to me, I mean, we could do, we can, there's a bunch we could do. Still, one of the big ones is the fact that the first people to see Jesus are women who could not be eyewitnesses in Jewish culture, in Greek culture, in Roman culture. And they're the first ones to bear witness to the resurrection. And I was hearing somebody recently, you know, you and I have talked about 1 Corinthians 15 is the first creedal statement. Right. What's interesting is that first creedal, so they make a creedal statement that they're going to be proclaiming to people. And they say, he appeared to to Peter and James and John. He appeared to 12. He appeared to 500. That first creedal statement doesn't say he appeared to the women because they knew if they're Mm. proclaiming that, the people are going to be like, what are you talking about? So they left that out of that creedal statement, but it's in the gospels. Because and and they're there. You don't make that up. They're there because that is really what happened. Mm-hmm. And you don't make that up. That's that's so contrary to everything. So that's so a powerful one. If there was one like concrete piece of like, let's say someone's listening to this who came Sunday and they have an interest and and maybe they're open to this, but they're they're not quite convinced of it yet. If you could point them to one piece of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that it's like that is pretty hard to come against? Where, where would you send them or what would you have them Google? I think to me, it's the statement of Josephus, who was, not, who was a Pharisee, who was in the adversarial group to Jesus, who after Jesus said, 
um, that something happened and that the claim was, I mean, he wrote that he appeared to his followers. So Josephus writes that. I think the women, the fact that they are the key eyewitnesses, when if somebody's making that up, they would never make women the key eyewitnesses. That, the fo- that these followers who all ran away in total despair, they thought it was done, like every other Messiah who had died, now theirs was dead. Suddenly there's a radical change in them and they all gave their life. They died, except for one, maybe. I'm trying to remember. Oh, John, he died a natural death, but they, all, they were all martyred for their claim that he had appeared to them. And that whole thing that, um, that you hear that people won't claim, won't die for a lie, but especially a group. If a group gets together and makes a lie, they're like, hey, we're all gonna, we're all gonna lie about this. And, but whenever they start getting picked off one by one, finally somebody's like, hey, just kidding. Mm-hmm. It right. wasn't true. We made it up so that they can live, but they all went to death for him. Those are kind of the big ones. There's more. Yeah. What about for you? I probably stole your thunder. I mean, you've one. talked about most of the things that... Um, that we've talked about for me, it's just the way that these gospels are written They're And yeah, the, the women being main eyewitnesses, the way that the disciples kind of share not flattering details about themselves. Yes. And if, if it was a lie, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. They would try and make themselves look good in history. Um, yeah. The fact that they all went to corners of the earth and die and died their own deaths for the name of Jesus and that no one recanted. And I mean, all of it just points, yeah. points to it for sure. Yeah. Well, you, the one you said was really good. Mark is the recording of Peter's eyewitness history. And in Mark, Peter doesn't look good in the resurrection account. Mm-hmm. But yet he's willing to say that. Yeah. And yeah, because it's what happened. If you're making up a story, you're all going to be the heroes. But they're not the heroes. They're the anti-heroes because you don't, it's not made up. And that's another piece of the evidence that this is real. And also there's some things in the resurrection stories and some of them that don't totally match up. And you're like, doesn't that seem a little contradictory? And again, I think I talked a couple of years ago about that's the way testimonial evidence is, is they'll agree on the big thing, but some of the details might be a little different. So the fact that there are some little differences doesn't mean that it's wrong. It actually is evidence that this is genuine eyewitness testimony. Right. If you go into a courtroom and you hear eyewitness testimony from 10 people about the same event. I'll say the exact same you thing. You better believe. Yeah. The big thing will be correct, but some of the smaller stuff. Yeah, if all the details. Oh, they were wearing flip-flops. No, they weren't flip-flops. They were Chacos. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, it's like with those little things, we're yeah. not going to catch them all. That's evidence for. Last week in youth group, we were talking about um, just briefly the historicity of Jesus and just the fact that it is impossible to deny, even from a, a secular standpoint, that there was a Jesus of Nazareth who had followers and there is historical evidence strongly that his followers believed that he rose from the dead. Whether he did or not is not in those documents, but they believe so strongly. And so we were looking at some of the source, like just numbers of reliable sources for him. And one thing I didn't realize, there are more secular sources for the life of Jesus, like tenfold than there are for Julius Caesar. Yeah. I think Julius has like five. Yeah, Jesus has like in the 40s or 50s. And then Tiberius, a, a high ranking Roman official at the same time of Jesus, his contemporary, they have the same amount of secular sources, nine, I believe, for each. And then if you go to um, Christian sources, I mean, obviously, Jesus has tons of those, but for objectivity's sake, we'll throw those out and just say on a secular level, like it is as likely or more likely that Jesus existed than either of those two guys. Yeah. And so if you want to be informed at all, you've got to at least concede that Jesus did exist. And then you begin to look at these uh 
the archaeological evidence and the uh, textual evidence for a resurrection. And you look at the lives of, of the people that witnessed it. And it's like, there's a lot of, ev- I mean, if you want to say Jesus wasn't who he said he was, and I mean, you got to come up with a pretty big story, do some real mental gymnastics to get around the fact that Jesus was who he said he was <coughs> and did what the history books yeah. said that he did. And so we were talking even earlier, if we were pointing somebody right now, they're like, I want to read more about this. I would point them towards Cold Case. Cold Case Christianity. Cold Case Christianity. By Jay Warner Wallace. Yeah. He, I think he brings it down to a really level, a level that's easy to get for everybody. And to me, you got to go to Harry, Gary Habermas and Michael Lycona, the case for the resurrection Michael of Jesus. Lycona, yeah. Those are the two top experts in the world. And they wrote that book together. And that if you really want to dig in deep, that's the one. But that Cold Case Christianity is a great book. So if somebody wants to to borrow that book, can we give it to them? Yeah. Can if, we hook them up? If somebody wants one, I would actually buy them one of those. If so they, if you are really interested in looking into that, you have it on tape. Garen Forsyth will buy you very yeah, out of the youth budget. But yes. The you you know what? <laughs> hey, it's only April. We've still got enough in the youth budget. We could swing it. Don't come to me in November, but now we're doing okay. Wanted to, wanted to end on a couple of things. One is this C.S. Lewis quote that, you know, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord, and, and that we cannot just call him a wise teacher, that it's impossible yeah. to just say, oh, he's a good guy. He's just a good guy, just a bringer of love and peace. And yet that's what we see in culture so much. Yeah. We see people labeling Jesus as a wise teacher, as a bringer of peace. And it's just so willfully ignorant. Yeah. Like if you look at what he actually said, he makes you make a decision about him. Because what does he say in John 8? If you don't believe me. If you don't believe that I am. That I, yeah, about who I say I am, which is the I am, you are not going where I'm going. You'll die in your sins. And not only does he say that, you will die in your sins. You'll die in your sins. If you die in your sins, you cannot, if your sins are untaken, you cannot come around. So he's not just this good guy, this hippie who loved everybody. He made such divisive claims about himself. And you have to go to one camp or the other. Yeah. Can't be neutral with Jesus you at all. You cannot sit and he on intention- the fence. And that's what Lewis's quote is, is like, you can't just say he's a nice, good guy. No. Because good guys don't claim to be God. If they claim to be God, they're yeah. either lying intentionally exactly. to deceive people so let's or say, they're crazy. Let's say he's, let's say you don't believe Jesus is God, right? Well, he called himself God. Yeah. So he's, he's either mental or he's manipulating yes. you. Yes, mental. Oh, that's good. We should create right? a new category. Mental or manipulating. <laughs> or Messiah. Or oh, Messiah. We did it. <laughs> yeah, but you, I mean, you got to put him in one of those categories. Yeah. To just say he's a good guy and ignore him is willfully ignorant on your part. You are not looking at what was actually written about him and what is true about him. Yeah. You are living in the dark on purpose because you don't want to confront that there is a God out there yeah. who made you and knows you and actually has rights to you. Yeah. And you owe him. Yep. And who pursued you and who came to earth for you and who died and gave everything as a last drop of blood for you. Because he is your God and and we are not our own God. And out of pursuit. But it's in my court now. But if I don't want to confront that, then I'll just call him a good guy. Uh, And I'll just call him a good guy and I'll push him to the side. But the problem is you can't do that because the reality is you're going to meet him one day and he's going to be like, I am the I am. And here's what I want to know. What did you do with that claim? And what did you do with me? Right. And if you're like, well, hey, you're just a nice guy who like, Sorry, yeah. you're dying in your sin. Yep. You died in your sins. and You're not going to think he's a nice guy for long Yeah, because you're going to die in your sins. Yeah, he is a consuming fire. Yeah. 
Okay. So I guess the challenge here is do something with that if you have not. Yep, do something. And if you're not sure, then get the books, dig in, do research, and come to your own conclusion of like, is this really what he claimed? Right. And did he really rise from the dead? And the reason these books are so good is not because they're just these big thinkers who sit around and, and just pontificate about, you know, Jesus and what if he was. It's it's like hard evidence. Yeah. I mean, it is historical, archaeological, uh, literary fact that is that is supported by secular sources. Yeah. That is argued for by people who don't even believe in Jesus. They have to concede these certain things that really point to his divinity. Yeah. And it's a really compelling read. Yeah. So if you're out there and you're like, I'm not going to read that. It's just more group think. It's more, you know, just what they want me to think. I mean, no, it's, it's looking at facts. Yeah. And you, you just read a book recently, um, Seeking, Finding, Seeking, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Finding Jesus. By Nabil Qureshi. And yeah. this, because Muslims don't believe he rose from the dead. They don't believe he claimed to be divine, but these things convinced him, right? You. Oh my gosh, that book was so interesting because this guy wrote, he really grew up as like Saul of Tarsus, like this student of students in the Muslim faith and knew everything and would just go around and demolish Christians because he knew more about his faith than they knew about their faith. So even though the facts were not on his side, he could, he could use those conversations in a way to control people. And he had this one friend, David, who, would, who befriended him and they would just have conversations. And the more that Nabil looked into Christianity, he was begrudgingly convinced, oh my gosh, I am wrong. I mean, think about it. This guy had to cut off friends. He had to cut off family. Yeah. He was cast out of all his social circles. He, he brought shame on his family that he loved. If Jesus was not real, he would not have converted. He did not want to. He was drug across by the facts. By that, the facts. That Jesus is who he said he was. Yep. And he faced the reality of who he said he was, and he knew he couldn't be neutral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. I mean, that, and that's what you read about when you see people interacting with the real Jesus and the real facts about him is it's like, wow, I have not understood what is real. And so I have to do something with this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, man, we really got on one there, but yeah, it's important. It's extremely important. It's the most important thing you'll ever think about is who is Jesus. So we've got to know the answer to that. And so you would ask a question that let's hit really quick. Like, well, doesn't that sound like if I go say that, doesn't that sound exclusive? So what I love about Jesus is I don't, I can tell people and I would do this all the time. Like I'd walk them through this and I'm like, look, I'm not the one claiming he's the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not like, hey, I found a belief and my belief's better than your belief. It's like, no, I became convinced that this man is the Messiah and he claimed I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father by me. He claimed I am who I am. He claimed unless you believe what that I am, you will die in your sins and you cannot be, like these are his claims. So what it, it takes it off of me and I can just be like, it's Jesus. Here, look at, here it is. Here's, here, he, here he's claiming these things. You have to deal with him. It's not me. Mm -hmm. It's like not me saying like this and this. It's I've committed my life. I believe this. I'm convinced. Now you, here's Jesus. You deal with Jesus. You don't have to be mean about it. Yeah. But what I love about it is I don't have to carry the burden of proving my religion or whatever. I came to Jesus and he said plenty all by himself. And I just point people to him. Yeah. which is what our evangelism should always be, is point to him and like, here's the question. Is there reality behind this, behind the claims, behind the resurrection, which we just talked about? Give people some books. Sure. And then, all right, now you decide. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. So. Okay. We've said a lot. Yeah. Very good Easter service. Hope that um, it was good for, I mean, that's got to be hard on Easter to to feed believers, but then also challenge non-believers. Yeah. And so I thought you walked that tightrope well. But if you are in that camp of new believer or maybe new to church, 
maybe you're not even sure where you are on your spiritual journey and you're listening to this, we hope that your interest is peaked. We hope the Holy Spirit got a hold of you and that it's just that rock in your shoe that you can't quite get rid of. And we'd encourage you to keep seeking who Jesus is, seek the facts, um, seek Jesus followers and ask them questions because this is the most important thing that we'll ever talk about. Yep. So, okay. Next week, any, uh, oh wait, it's me next week. Dude, it's you. Oh yeah. man, I got to write a sermon. Yeah, you do. You better. <laughs> we better. It's actually easy because it's done because I lost my voice the last like time a month ago. It. And so now okay. this is just the- A little peak or no? Like you're going to um, open the curtain a little or are you just going to keep that thing <sighs> slammed shut? It's all about uh, the cycle of grace versus the cycle of works and not doing it all on your own because we all live on this hamster wheel where my self-worth is tied to how I do yep. and how I view myself. And it is so hard to live that way, but Jesus has a better way. Yeah. So getting off the performance treadmill. So getting off the performance treadmill. That's right. Yeah. So there Look you go. Look forward to it, man. I, bet I just gave the message. So, you know, there it is. Okay. That people, was the so eight second have to version. Show up Sunday. There's a lot of good stuff to it and it's going to be useful for you, I think. So come out for it. All right, Garen, thanks for Easter Sunday. Thanks yep. for clearing up some things for us, talking more about it. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week.